Today's Structure Show is brought to you by Momentum SI, experts in cloud computing and DevOps. Momentum provides consulting for Amazon, OpenStack, and vCloud, vCloud Air, as well as leading DevOps solutions like Puppet, Docker, and OpenShift. For cloud and DevOps consulting services, visit www.momentumsi.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Hey, everybody. It's Barb Darrow here with Derek Harris. Hey, Derek. Hey, Barb. So we have a, before we go any further, I just want to say we could talk a lot about VMware this week, but we're going to save most of that because we've got Bill Fathers on as our guest, and he can talk about that on all on his own. And I think it's safe to say that he's not afraid to say controversial things. Also, I think it's safe to say, <laughs> get ready for this one, <laughs> that when it comes to VMware, Fathers knows best. <laughs> was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was. I was and planning that. I didn't mention for the last that. 10 seconds I was waiting for the opportunity. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. I Okay, anyway. So let's talk a little bit about news this week ex, uh, outside of VMware, which is having its partner thing, uh, partner exchange this week. So Cloudera made an acquisition. It did. And who was it? It was a company that I had not heard of until... Tuesday called Explain. I never. I, I, so, pardon me. It's either Explain.io or Explainio. 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 I never quite know how to pronounce those. Like I was. Anyhow. I think it's so Explain.io, but what? Explain.io. I never got the, the the thing of putting IO at the end. Like oh, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't like really get it either. Like a million companies have that. Yeah, Regardless. Extreme, Extreme IO. Um, there were a bunch Keen of Keen IO. Things. There's a lot of them. I'm kind of like maybe you know, we should just tell them to cut it out. Yeah, just be the name of the company. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, what does this company do? <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Is it an explanation a, as a service? Well, actually, kind of, yes. Oh, okay. So what it does essentially is it will analyze a company's kind of long-standing SQL queries and try to figure out like which ones, which ones are run the most, which ones are the most important, which columns in the table, which variables are, are the most important ones. And then it will go through and suggest ways to improve the model uh-huh. so you know maybe whatever you could tweak you could tweak the query in this way or you can move it to you know this different sort of data store you can move it to you right. know and then like Cloudera Impala for example right, or right. or something else but so that's kind of the gist of it and you know I mean I think you know it was a pretty stealthy company but the the CEO wrote a blog post and the, the co-founder and CEO and he said like one of its first customers had eight and a half million queries that ran in a month or something and I was like you know there's no way every one of those is, is as optimal as it could be right that's kind of the theory. so um yeah I mean and I think it's an interesting acquisition for Cloudera in the sense that it's trying to be an enterprise data hub as right. it calls itself and that means being able to you know be more than just Hadoop, I guess, and being right. able to be more than just like this big data storage and batch processing. Right. But like, how do you actually help your customers take advantage of you know the other parts of the data, right. the, the data architecture? So, and I'm assuming that the terms weren't disclosed, but no, we all know Cloudera has lots of dough, dough rain. Well, yeah, but I, so. I don't, I'm guessing <laughs> it hasn't made any like large acquisitions right thus huh. far. And I'm guessing, I mean, this was a company that launched in October 20 or was founded in October oh 2013. My gosh. Oh. So a year and a half old. Okay, I, I mean, thought you were going to say terms. October oh. 2014. <laughs> no, so <laughs> the like, terms. That's a I mean, this company. It couldn't have been huge, but I mean, regardless, it's you know you, you're starting to see this stuff happen, kind of whatever. Call it the maturation of right of a dupe, if you will, or the the realization right. that there's more to it than just right. You know, 
And so yeah, that's and and you know, if, listen, this is gratuitous. I'll be quick. If you come to Structure Data, <laughs> March eighteenth and nineteenth in New York, you'll see Cloudera CEO Tom Riley, and he'll he'll talk about this and some other stuff. HortonWorks CEO Rob Bearden, MapR CEO John Chereda. <laughs> yeah, this is much like voting, voting. So yeah, so so regardless, the, the, they'll all be there, and you know, we're going to talk all about kind of the 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 future and the the state and the whatever evolution of Hadoop as and a prepare, business. I would say prepare for some smack talk. I, I would imagine there will be some. <laughs> which which we love. It's good for our business. But anyway, um, in other news, probably in a more staid area, is that SAP announced on Tuesday that it's rebuilding basically its, its business applications around HANA, which is like kind of duh. But, um, you know, HANA is. HANA's in-memory database and super fast and it's supposedly getting cloudier. But, you know, HANA is what SAP trots out all the time to show that it's, you know, got a hot new pro- hot newish product, kind of like the way IBM trots out Watson. <laughs> um, and uh, so anyway, it's it was interesting. It's, it's, it's just increasingly evident that, you know, for those of us who've been around a long time, SAP used to be the enterprise applications company and Oracle used to be the or the enterprise database companies. And now they are completely at cross purposes across the whole spectrum of databases and enterprise, which makes for some fun. So there will be, again, smack talk there. But Yeah, it's funny that, but I mean, would you, when you look at something like HANA, right? I mean, that's kind of for It's, it's a SAP. specialized database. Like if yeah. you're running SAP. Yeah. Than me, but I mean, you're not going to. I mean, there are so many in-memory databases out there right now. I mean, who was the? Which was the one that Oracle bought? Was it Times Ten? I believe. Yeah, that was a while ago. That was a but while I mean, ago. Yeah. But there's MemSQL out there right now, the startup that's raised about a gazillion dollars right. and seems to be doing great. I mean, there are open source projects galore. There's a lot of. A lot of action. A lot of yeah, a lot of open or a lot of in-memory stuff happening. So. Yeah, I mean, Apache Spark is in memory and, you know, has like various database and kind of related projects mm-hmm. <laughs> happening around that. So, yeah, that's, I think, SAP was probably, er, you know, it's probably smart to get on that early, relatively early. Relatively early. It was been, it's been, been a couple of years now. But, they've been um, pushing it for a while. But, yeah, the it's, it seems kind of like, a you know, the effect is in the SAP immediate right. <laughs> ecosystem. And, right. Beyond that, you would be like, "Ooh, I'm going to roll out this new application." You know, I'm gonna better buy some SAP for that. I don't. <laughs> oh, we're going to get smacked for talking about legacy again. I know, I know, I know. But that's <laughs> anyway, kind of the that's kind of the way the, it is. The, yeah, the rules. It's of the, the jungle, way right? it is. Anyway, and there, there okay. was another acquisition actually. Yeah. The data stacks. Oh yeah. No SQL. Um, Jonathan which, wrote which, about that. Yeah, our colleague Jonathan Bainian wrote that one, and I, I mean, so I've been waiting for this to happen, like. For a NoSQL, one of those big NoSQL companies to come through and say, you know, we're going to be X and Y, right? <laughs> kind of. So I mean, because for a while it was like so MongoDB. They, buy? they bought a graph they bought database, this, right? Yeah, they bought this company, and the name is eluding me right oh, now. Oh, I'm looking. Or Aurelius. Aurelius, sure. I think so yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. They were the founder. I, I think they were a company pushing this thing called TitanDB, which was a a graph database, and you know the. The interesting part of it to me was, you know, not necessarily the technology part, but the the business part because we had these companies, you know, especially DataStax and Couchbase mm-hmm. and uh, MongoDB, which have been around and you know have quite a bit of traction and have raised so much money, 
Mm-hmm. And I was just always waiting for one of them to come through and say, you know, we're going to be like, actually, so to Basho, we gave, I think we were talking right, Basho, you know, skeptically yeah. about Basho recently, mm-hmm. but it actually like did, it had this key value store and then it also did uh, an object store, like a cloud object store comparable mm-hmm. to Amazon S3 or something. And that was like an, in, that was an interesting branch out of the business expansion. And I think, you know, we haven't seen that from the other companies. It was kind of like, well, if you need scalable key value store, you know, Real time, whatever. That's Cassandra. That's Data Stacks. If you want this document database, it's easy to use. It can power your mobile app. Whatever. That's you know. That's MongoDB. Mm-hmm. And like, but that was always how it always was. It was like, you know, you can. And so, you can, uh, so explain. I mean, a graph database means it's it's not just rows and columns. It's more graph constructs, right? Yeah. It's. I mean, the It's kind of based around the relationships of the entities to one another. Uh huh. And how they, you know, how they're kind of connected. Yeah. So I mean, so yeah, it's an interesting. It's just, you know, it's it's cool for storage stuff. I mean, the the, the generic use case would be like a social network, mm-hmm. for example. So you're storing, you know, the the the, the entities in the database based on, you know, it's easy to look up their relationships to one another, right? It's easy to, you know, Facebook's graph search, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a different use case than you would normally use Cassandra for right. certainly or right. just a you know a key value store which is kind of fast for powering these. So you do know, you, uh, so do you think other is this like the beginning of a trend where people are going to start buying up these things? Well, I hope so because yeah. there were so many there are all these various NoSQL databases out there. There's actually a graph database special you know company out there that's pretty well funded called Neo mm-hmm. Technology. But it was Neo4j database, mm-hmm. and so the. The idea that like you would start to see these NoSQL companies becoming like the next generation, so to speak, not to oversell it, but mm-hmm. you know the next Oracle or something in the sense of we have a data, you know, we have more than just one thing. Right. Like, well, that, that's 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 funny. This whole plethora—I love that word—of um, databases. Is, I talked to Andy Palmer this week, kind of on this topic, and Andy Palmer. Uh, has done a lot of database startups with Michael Stonebreaker, who is like a database guru. And he said, look, we're kind of the victims of our own success because we were always out there saying, look, you can't cram every job into a single general purpose database. You need lots of special, specialized databases. And he said, oh, and oops, what? look what happened. We kind of created a monster. There's too many databases now, and that means more data silos. And well, guess exactly. what? There's an opportunity there. <laughs> Well, exactly, because, and that's that's the thing with NoSQL. It was always like, well, you know, there's there's graph and there's key value and there's document and there's HBase. You know, there's yeah. all these different things. And you go, but but no one outside of the web really is going <laughs> to go, that. oh yeah, I'm going to run ever a different database for everything that I need. Right, right. Like there's there's Oracle and there's NoSQL and there's I mean, it's just like my God. <laughs> and so yeah, that someone could say, go, you know, yeah, we have four different database products, and you know, maybe we engineered them to kind of, you know, work. Work together, right, and and be deployed, and all of a sudden, wow, you have a a, a database business. <laughs> Whoa! Holy mackerel! Yeah, so yeah, I do I do think you'll see more of that. I mean, yeah. I would imagine. I so hope. so anyway, but but um, I think I think we're almost up against time. Do we have anything else we need to cover this week, or shall we segue into you know who? <laughs> you know what I'm gonna do? What? Maybe maybe we should every week, like, like ask the audience before we we record. What the, what we should talk about? That's a really good idea. Gosh, like what do you want to hear what us? If the, what if they tell us not to about? talk about legacy anymore? They'll be like, don't talk about. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's a great idea. So let's just do it now, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> tweet to us about topics for upcoming shows. I'm at Gigabarb. 
Derek, you're right. At Derek Harris, right? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Now, so stay tuned for Bill Fathers, who is the EVP and General Manager of Cloud Services for VMware. Thanks for listening. When your CIO requests continuous delivery on a hybrid cloud, it's time to call the consultants at Momentum SI. Experts in DevOps, resilient architectures, and scale-out cloud, Momentum consultants can help you establish a self-service infrastructure that bridges the gap between the development and operations teams. Momentum SI ensures that you have the expertise you need to get your projects done right. For consulting services, visit www.momentumsi.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Barb and Derek, and we're here with our guest, Bill Fathers, who is the EVP, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Cloud Services for VMware. Call it, we're talking on a busy week. Uh, Bill, welcome to the show. Great, thanks for having me. So tell us, you are at Partner Exchange, I believe, this week, right? We are. We're at Partner Exchange in San Francisco with 4,500 of our favorite partners, <laughs> um, and it comes off the back of... Uh, a worldwide sales kickoff we held in New Orleans last week, and then uh, obviously some product launches that we announced. Right. Well, so, yeah, busy couple of weeks. Well, there was, you know, I want to talk about the Google stuff, but that was last week, so we'll back into that. Um, this week, you guys um, announced, I think, actual availability of integrated OpenStack, and I just need to hear what that what that is. <laughs> yeah. So what we're seeing is a lot of our clients are starting to embrace OpenStack. Uh, they almost reach a glass ceiling in terms of how far they can deploy it uh, in that they're looking for somebody who can, A, take care of the integration with vSphere, and B, uh, provide support. Uh, and so basically what we have done is, I guess, become a distributor of OpenStack, uh, created uh, VMware integrated OpenStack. Uh, and for many of our clients, uh, especially those in the enterprise select category, uh, this is now free. So if they want a distribution of OpenStack to use for some of the apps they're developing in parallel with the other workloads, then then that's just something they can take advantage of. So hopefully that summarizes it. So I, for people who don't know, Enterprise Select meaning uh, basically enterprise agreement uh, holders, correct? That, Volume license. That, that, roughly half of our client base, yeah, around the world. Okay. So so is this, do you see integrated OpenStack as something for the current existing applications or a platform for net new applications or both? Um, it seems that two, the bulk of clients are using it for net new applications. Um, we do see some clients um, that are sort of doing what we call platform 2.5, which is made up jargon for, uh, <laughs> that we use, uh, which is an application where the front end is looks net new, uh, but it's connected to back end systems of record. Um, so main use cases are standalone net new and net new apps that are talking back to two point four, talking back to systems of record that are living in existing VMware environments. So I guess I guess the obvious question is, you know, since everybody and their their brother has an OpenStack distribution now, um, what is your differentiator, say vis-a-vis HP Helion, Helion or whatever it's called? Um, you know, Rackspace, Red Hat, it's just caters to the existing VMware accounts, correct? It, it does, and the, the differentiation is that we're helping our clients avoid building another silo of infrastructure capacity. Uh, we're saying, you know, if, if you just build a siloed standalone OpenStack uh, pool of resources, then you're undermining some of the efficiencies we've delivered over years to say you can now regard your infrastructure as a single global pool. And by the way, you could be running OpenStack or all the VMware stack and still gain access to the same resource pool. So 
that that's been the driver for it. Um, you know, we're not overtly trying to uh, differentiate. It's more saying by integrating it with vSphere, we can help clients use as much OpenStack as they like without having to sacrifice their overall efficiency. That's that's the thesis of it. Okay. And also at Partner Exchange, uh, I think vSphere 6 was top-line news, correct? That's right, yeah. vSphere 6 launched uh, just at the end of, uh, sorry, just at the beginning of this week on Monday, prior to going into PEG. Now here is a, probably an ignorant question, but does this mean that the the guts of vCloud Air are being updated or have been updated with this code base or or not necessarily? Yeah, we're in the thick. So we announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that we've upgraded the guts uh, to NSX uh, version 6. Uh, and we're actually just now are rolling out ESX version 6, or uh, which will be on the platform very soon after GA. So I think it's sometime later this quarter. Uh, and as soon as it goes GA, then we'll bring our platform into production with uh, with vSphere 6 as well. I get all the acronyms mixed up, um, but that's okay. <laughs> ESX being, yeah. um, is that the, that's the software-defined networking stuff? That's it, exactly. Okay. Um, so I guess my question is, I think on the last earnings call, I don't know if it was Pat or the CFO, talked a little bit about the size of the V cloud air business but kind of in the context of a bucket of things and i think it was basically like 85 million dollars last quarter does that sound about right i can't specifically remember bob if it was 85 or something million like that i know i know we called out the specific percentage or the, the revenue that's associated with uh, cloud services overall, or rather as a service business. I, I just have top of my head. Okay, that's fine. Precise number. I'll actually yeah. link to the story uh, in here and people can check. So I guess my question overall is, what are you seeing in terms of traction for vCloud Air from existing customers yeah. and from new customers? Yep, really good. Um, and to some extent, you know, attracting thousands of clients wasn't really just the objective. The real objective is to secure hundreds of what we call beachhead clients uh, which are clients who are using vCloud Air and see genuine value from the compatibility on-premises in, and in the vCloud Air, so vSphere on both ends, and the integration we've done, specifically the networking layer. Um, and pleased to say, you know, we have not only now thousands of clients, we aren't being more precise than that, but I can be precise in saying we have hundreds of beachhead clients. So clients who would say, look, I just could not have done that on Amazon or Azure. Mm -hmm. That's that's the level of integration I couldn't have done. That integration has saved me time and money. Level of integration so, with VMware, correct? Or vSphere, that, I guess. It, it, so uh, does... Yeah, level of integration with their on-premises apps ah. is the way I'd phrase it. Yeah. Does the cloud business not need to be, or the as-a-service business, I guess, not need to be, you know, a, a huge multi-billion dollar business then if, I mean, it's really supporting an on-premise business that's not going anywhere that seems like kind of the if i'm reading between the lines it's, it sounds kind of like you know that's the that's the goal it's kind of a support role if you will oh i'm with you yeah no I'm, i was referring to this sort of first phase of the of the services life so it's 14 15 months old um and in the first phase it's been about establishing the breakout sort of beachhead clients so you're really clear on what what the differentiation is and, and how you can then uh, grow it further um, you know, if we think about the next 10% of workloads that are going to move into the public cloud, uh, you know, we'd like to make sure that a good percentage of that ends up on vSphere-based public clouds, either vCloud Air or one of the vSphere public clouds delivered by our 4,000 partners. Um, 
so will that become a multi-billion dollar business yeah probably i suspect it will just by you know what are we at six billion run rate as a company mm-hmm. um and increasingly over time the percentage of workload on public cloud versus on private cloud is probably going to increase so it's you know it's, it, logically you'd think yes this will in its own right become a substantial business um but also you know we we don't see our public cloud business as a standalone entity it's you know we think it's all about having a hybrid platform and our on-premises private cloud looks more attractive because it's pre-integrated with a public cloud if that makes sense and i know it's self-serving to say that but that's but that is everyone's self-serving on this show thank you thank you very much so yeah but what is your story for i mean you know we hear a ton about even the biggest companies now putting some workloads in amazon so if I'm a VMware shop and I'm a big company, but I have a bunch of developers over, you know, somewhere that's running a bunch of stuff in Amazon, what's the compatibility or interoperability story you guys have there? Are you supporting um, the Amazon APIs of, or maybe through OpenStack, integrated OpenStack, are you doing that? Um, I'm not sure that Amazon actually is particularly conformant to the <laughs> OpenStack APIs either. Um, so I think the short answer is, you know, yes, we've seen clients uh, start to develop standalone net new apps um, in, in Amazon. Uh, they, many of them, so Harley-Davidson dealer systems is a great example of, they did just that. They created a front-end uh, 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 sort of a, an iPad app for their uh, customer relationship management system so that while they're in the dealership, they can tell people whether they have or haven't got something in stock. Mm-hmm. Tried it in Amazon physically could not integrate it into their existing uh, Oracle-based database of record uh, from a networking perspective, just could not do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they gave up and said, look, how, how could we do it? And we, using NSX, we crafted the connection from their on-prem environment, extending the firewall into vCloud Air, and it worked. Mm-hmm. So my, my design center is a client who wants to put uh, that front-end net new app in vCloud Air and integrate it back to, to, to applications living on-premises. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am not spending a second working out how you solve what I think is an unsolvable problem of a client who's, who's marooned an application in AWS and is desperately trying to get it connected securely back to an on-premises app. So, so there we are. Oh, boy. Um, that's, oh, that's boy. Both, the cards and letters people. are going to come in. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, wow, that's interesting. Marooned in AWS. I can see the headline now. Um, so, what it, talk, talk a little bit about the announcement you made last week with another big public cloud provider, Google, um, which I thought yeah. was extremely interesting, especially in terms of BigQuery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's spot on. So, uh, we're hosting quite a few mission critical, sort of big ERP systems, uh, retailers, uh, you know, Columbia Sportswear or you know, companies like Creative Solutions in Healthcare, which have sort of medical records, they, they're putting that application on vSphere, they're securing it using our uh, security services, uh, but they now want to run analytics against the data. They want to search medical records, they want to search uh, inventory uh, or, or sort of point of sale stuff. And they're kind of saying, look, I want to leave the, the data here and the application here, but can I run BigQuery as a SaaS service against this data? So we worked closely with Google, looked at, you know, worked with a number of clients and said, yeah, you can. You can get best of both worlds. Um, and obviously, we, we just felt like the Google BigQuery service, coupled with their NoSQL database and the object storage, you're not going to beat it. I mean, there's no, it's space age. There's no way you're going to compete with that. Um, 
So we figured, look, just let's get the best of both worlds, physically connected the two clouds, um, and obviously we're able to uh, present that as a, as a joint offering to the client. They run the application on our platform and run the SaaS offering um, uh, you know, using Google uh, uh, analytic or query services. Um, we'll, we'll apply SLAs, so we'll front it uh, to the client um, commercially and in, in terms of terms and conditions. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Is this um, the beginning of a beautiful friendship that could have vCloud Air actually ending up back-ending onto Google Cloud itself? You know, like for you know public cloud bursting. I know vCloud Air is public cloud too, but when you talk about scale, it seems hard to beat what what Google could do. Yeah, I, I think it, it is hopefully, and we've been uh, you know very. Uh, deliberate, both of us in our approach of not this not being a sort of Silicon Valley hand waving hypey deal. We'll, you know, we're very heads down to get our first few hundred beachhead accounts for this offering, get get it successful for both companies, and and then as you say, this this could go a long way. There's, they have very complementary um, offerings as opposed to competitive, and they actually target an entirely different client base as well. They're very oriented towards you know specific developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole Android space is really interesting in terms of you know the the applications. Yeah, anyway, it's just basically really interesting. But rather than uh, uh, you know broaden the partnership too quickly, we're both keeping this feet on the ground, make this successful, and then see where it goes. So are any yeah, of those very, very are any of those services now in beta available? Or I mean, I, th- I think it was basically rolling out over the next few quarters. Correct. Yeah. We officially said it's H1, but yes, but behind the scenes, this is already effectively up and running, but we're going to sort of uh, make it more bulletproof and bring it to clients sometime late Q1, early Q2. That's the sort of time frames. What does that say about some of the other VMware, I guess, slash? I'm, I'm thinking of some of the stuff that moved over to Pivotal, I guess, some of the database stuff, some of the the analytics stuff with, with Greenplum, that sort of technology. I mean... Does that pl- does that have a place in the cloud, or I mean, if it's not as a service, as a kind of, yeah. you know, a? I'm curious. So, uh, I mean, our positioning is very much as open. So we would be able to we say to a client, look, uh, what sort of analysis you're doing, and what are the kind of services you want to be able to get access to, um, and it could be that you know it, we, we start to expose more and more of the pivotal type services as well. Uh, in no sense is this sort of an exclusive relationship. Um, and I, I personally don't haven't yet passed how you'd segment the the analytic type capabilities that Pivotal will offer versus using something like BigQuery. Um, my, my sense is that BigQuery is sort of you know a, a sort of space age enormously capable search uh, uh, service, uh, but you need to conform to its APIs. Whereas the Pivotal world, I think, is far more scope to do customization, and you can create your own analytics, uh, I think, with far greater levels of customization, is my thinking. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. E- either way, both are probably cheap, cheaper, candidly, than buying ex- Exadata or HANA. But I didn't say that. <laughs> well, that's probably <laughs> definitely true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you see the news today out of SAP? Or actually, I should say yesterday, since this will appear tomorrow, but SAP is just you know, announced that its whole next-gen business applications are going to be completely centered on HANA, which is, you know, duh, <laughs> but kind of interesting, right? Yeah, it is, it is, and I think I also hear that HANA is becoming more cloudy as well. So um, I think in its first iterations, it, it, it didn't necessarily lend itself to cloud infrastructure as a service. 
Um, but um, you know, it feels like Hannah is becoming more cloudy, and and it, and it is frankly a workload that we you'll, you'll see us focus a lot on of how we can accommodate SAP uh, apps as well as Suite, um, as, as well as Hannah on vSphere and vCloud Air. So that really is something that we're looking at. So one of the things I wanted to check in with you is like if you maybe more so last year, but when you be on an, a VMware conference call about anything cloudy, the, the term seamless kept being thrown around a lot. So like if you're in an on-premise database running vSphere and you you know burst up to a VMware hosted cloud or even a partner hosted VMware cloud, seamless, 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 one interface. Is that actually true now? Yeah, I think it, it is. Um, we were, you know, words like hybrid and seamless are <laughs> sort of useful adjectives. What it really means is, can you extend your LAN, your VLAN on-premises layer two, layer three? Is the ma- are the management tools you're using so integrated with vCloud Air that it's got the same granularity of, and view of data? And have you got things like single sign-on? And are the availability features and you know things like long-distance vMotion, resource services, you know, uh, cloud bursting, which is um, you know the, the sort of elastic stuff, does that all work equally on-premises and off-premises? And I'd say, having hand waved, we're now at the point where, yeah, eighty, ninety percent of that just works. Yeah. So more of so, it's true now than was last year. It is. Okay. That's right. It's it's, a, it's way more true, um, and the trick has been to wait to see what the first few hundred uh, uh, BTEC clients want you to do. Um, you know, you, you could spend a lot of time integrating something that they actually don't see as that important. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's, there's one thing we've found, it's, and uh, I think Christian did a nice, it's probably a better job than I can of making it sound sexy, because it, it just sends clients to sleep, and it's the networking integration, which is worse. It's, it's, it's the biggest problem clients got, but they don't know it, and it's kind of tough to pitch it, because they're not yet aware that the integration challenges of trying to connect your land to a public cloud are, are way harder than people people realize so we, we're going to, have to find a better way of marketing it basically you know I, before we got on the call i listened to the chat we had on stage in june at structure and there were a couple of follow-up questions you know it's only been you know eight months or whatever but at that time you said you know you thought maybe two to three percent of workloads are in public cloud um and the uh, and i'm just curious if you've seen that it's pretty quick but are you seeing that ramp up and the second question was how snowden freaked everyone out and had them ask, asking questions about security, but then in, ironically seemed to accelerate moves to public cloud. Are you still seeing that? I think on the first point, we, we now are at 5% workloads public cloud, which splits equally IaaS versus SaaS. Mm-hmm. Um, across our install base of clients, we think that by the middle of next year, we think we'll be about 95, 100% of clients have some workloads in the public cloud, and that's something that Gartner kind of agrees with as well. Um, so incredibly broad uh, penetration now, but but very shallow um, in the, I would you know, um, anecdotally suggest that 60, 75% of our clients have got stuck. So they have put the first easy apps uh, and most net new apps now are going public cloud, but the systems of record is where most of them are stuck in saying, how the heck do we get these apps into the public cloud over the next two or three years? So that feels like there's been a bit of a, oh, a ceiling reached. Mm-hmm. Now how do we solve that problem? Um, in terms of uh, data sovereignty, seems to have really, really dissipated as an issue. We launched our on-demand service, which is obviously it happens to be based in the US and the UK. 
but of uh, thousands of clients we now have on the on-demand platform, um, less than 20% live in the country of origin. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it's cr- very few people. Um, mind you, that's probably, uh, again, systems of engagement type apps versus systems of record. But uh, even so, the, the sort of propen- as you go online and it becomes frictionless, people have less concerns, it would appear, about sovereignty and physical location. But that, that's early days and it could reverse yet again, but that's what we're seeing. And finally, I, just have, I, I have one more question, then I'll give it to Derek because I'm hogging this. But when, how many, how many, what percentage of your customers ask you guys about platform as a service, you know, for building and deploying apps? And, and I'm curious, is, is Cloud Foundry the answer from you guys, or could you maybe extend your relationship with Google to Google App Engine, or, or what? Yeah, we do see a very healthy pipeline and real clients. I'm just quickly scanning my list if I've got any good reference ones for you. But no, we've got a good chunk of clients who've gone all in with Pivotal Cloud Foundry. Um, and they see that as the answer, um, uh, while you know others may choose to buy app services a la carte. Um, and I, I probably couldn't even throw statistics mm-hmm. out there. We're, we're still a fairly early stage business, so we don't tend necessarily yet to get fully ingrained in those conversations. Well, I'm good, Derek. I'm good. I think we're coming up on time. That's great. Thanks so much, Bill, for, for sitting in with us today. Perfect. Thank you both very much. I'm going to go shovel my driveway now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go bask oh, in my driveway. Stop it. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.